Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. Pharmacy is transforming. This transformation is having a major impact on pharmacy care and patient treatment outcomes. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare providers throughout the country and are taking on more responsibility as their roles are expanding. The RX Influencer Magazine features some of the most influential pharmacists in the nation. Pharma Salon and the Pharmacy Podcast Network are hosting the first RX Influencer Salon event about trends and opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. The RX Influencer Salon will be a live event held in St. Louis, October 24th and 25th, featuring four key conference tracks including pharmacogenomics, entrepreneurship, compounding, and cannabis. This event is like none other and will help you build your business, career, and knowledge of the upcoming opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. Sign up today by visiting pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. That's pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. Become part of the most influential providers in healthcare today. Join us in St. Louis at the Rx Influencer Salon. listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Hello, and welcome to Let's Pharmanize, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is part two of our collaboration with Jill Murphy from Pharmacy Times. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. We talk about Flatliners, the hit movie from 1990. Today, we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street and The Witcher. Check it out. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. Let's talk about the man that kills you in your dreams. The one and only Freddy. Yeah. So let's talk about um, my favorite series of movies that I've only seen one and a half of. <laughs> you know what? If you, there are so many spinoffs now of this movie and different yeah. versions. Like, <laughs> and it's just. I don't even know anymore. There's like dream fighters or warriors or whatever. Like there's so many different kinds, but this one is specifically, we're going to talk about how they are. This is located at the Weston Hills psychiatric hospital. Most of it Mm -hmm. because they're under Dr. Neil Gordon. And a lot of this movie focuses on the drug that is prescribed to all these different victims who are there. I call it victims because Freddie and it was, it's called hypnosil. And they show a scene in the movie where they're kind of researching what exactly is the drug. And you see the words like experimental. And then it says it's effective for management of psychotic disorders. And it's main, it's meant to be used for sedation where dreamless sleep is considered optimal 
or the suppression of night terror, which this entire film series is about Freddy Krueger haunting your dreams, causing night terrors and leads to death for a lot of these young children. And there's even a scene where using this drug, they all come together and they're trying to stay awake and fight off Freddy together. And it's just like, in general, I just think, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know if this drug actually exists, like some type of dream suppression drug, but that's pretty hard to do. I feel like when your dreams feel that real. Yeah. So, um, I, I watched this movie this morning. Um, I, I watched the first part of, um, the very first Freddy Krueger movie, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, um, like actually a couple of months ago, kind of recently, my wife took a horror movie class in undergrad. So she's like really into horror movies yeah. and everything we watch is, is always, she points out is very phallic. Um, that's always a trend in horror movies. Yeah. She's like, Oh, the knife is phallic. I'm like, I think it's just a knife thing, but, <laughs> but whatever. That's so hilarious. That's, that's what you'll um, experience if you ever watch a horror movie with my wife. Everything is very phallic. I also learned, so this is, oh, this is so unrelated, but there's a movie on Netflix called The Ritual that uses yonic imagery, which is the opposite of phallic. So referring to like female reproductive system oh. imagery. And it's really cool because the monster is like kind of shaped like a uterus and it kills all these like men. And it's, and it's, it's, it was honestly like genuinely a really good movie. Hmm. The Ritual. It's on Netflix. I hope I didn't just spoil it. I have to say, though, coming from someone who also took film horror classes, that is a big point that comes up a lot is that a lot yeah. of movies are made with sexual innuendos. Like sure. Yeah. And then she would always talk about how the trends when there's like a group of teens, it was like the there was always like a virgin. There was yep. always a seductive, like <laughs> promiscuous. Ghost. Yeah, exactly. And she would. That's why I think that's why she liked The Cabin in the Woods, because it kind of broke that trend. Mm -hmm. That was that was a good movie. That was. Yeah, Yeah. that is a good one. So anyway, Hypnosil. So I watched the movie this morning and I as far as I know, I don't think they actually took the medication because they kept alluding to it and they were referring to it. So Nancy, the main character, she has the medication. She has a prescription for it. That's the first time we see it is when she like drops it out of her bag. She's like, oops, my bag. And then the doctor's like, I'll help you. Then he picks it up and very obviously reads it for like uncomfortably too long and then he hands it back to her (laughs) so and that's when he goes into like full stalker mode and he goes and like looks it up and that's Mm -hmm. when we find out that it's an experimental drug for for uh, psychotic disorders and sedation and then he's like "Mm, maybe this intern maybe i should talk to this intern i don't know it it gets weird there's some like weird tension between them that i don't really like because he's like much older than her gross yeah he very uncomfortable have dinner together but it's never like overt but it's still it's too much why do movies do that why do they always pair like an older actor with a really young actress like um they're like this looks good like no like oh my god i was i i remember watching kindergarten cop 2 oh my god that had a sequel yeah it did and it was with dolph lundgren it wasn't arnold schwarzenegger no no one was like 26 years after dolph was like 60 years old oh god and he had like a love affair with this like 25 year old teacher or something it was disgusting why do they need it it's not necessary i don't know kindergarten cop 2 no, it came out in 2016. Yeah, it was like <laughs> some like 30 years after. That's recent. It has a 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Let's check it out. It's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not. Dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> Watching the uh, 
watching Dolph Lundgren just anyways. It, like I can't watch Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's the guy that plays um yeah, what's his name in, in the bad guy in the Rocky movie? Yeah, Rocky Four. I haven't yes. seen that. Yeah. He's uh I know the movie. <laughs> Oh, you know that one, yeah. but you haven't seen I it. I haven't yet. seen it. <laughs> no, it's just it's weird. And now he looks older. I mean, to give him credit, he's still in good shape, you know, but not enough to be with a 25 year old teacher. It's disgusting. Why did you watch that? I don't even know. <laughs> I go out of that's my real, way. That's to a real question. I have. So like in terms of film, like most people, if they took a film class, would only watch good movies. I like to think if I was able, able to teach a film class, I would make people watch only really bad movies. <laughs> that's that's like what I do at home. I don't watch like the really good movies that everyone wants wants to watch. I watch Kindergarten Cop too. But you've seen like a lot of other good movies too, like oh, yeah. the Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction. Well, you got to watch the good ones to really appreciate the bad. That's movies. fair. That's fair. Okay. So we got we got uh, sidetracked again. Let's let's jump back in. So Hypnosil, the the sedative, um, and then. So a drug to actually reduce dreams itself doesn't necessarily exist or there's nothing that's been like heavily studied to, to do this. There is a drug that's kind of known for being able to reduce night terrors. It's called prezosin. It's an alpha blocker. So it's, it's in a class of medications that's used for high blood pressure and benign prostate swelling in, in older men. And it has the ability, prezosin itself, that one drug in that class can cross into the nervous system. It can cross into the brain and it can block alpha receptors in the brain as well. And that's sort of the theory as to how it can reduce night terrors. It's not totally clear how it, it the, the mechanism is sort of unclear, which is the case with a lot of psychiatric medications, particularly with prezosin because it's kind of an oddball. And it's not super effective in everybody. It works in some people who take it. There was a really small study in 2018, actually. So really small study, only 20 patients. And it actually showed that there was an increased rate of suicidality above baseline. These patients weren't compared to a control. So it was just compared to their own history. And they all had a history of suicide attempts and suicidal thoughts anyway. So it wasn't really a great trial since it, they didn't have a control with placebo. It was just these patients who were trialing. It was basically a um, like a case series. Well, they have... I mean, the majority of people that take in anyways are people that have PTSD and yeah. are at a higher rate of suicidality anyways. Yeah, it's typically used for PTSD-associated night terrors. Night terrors are classified differently from just regular nightmares or bad dreams. Night terrors involve actually partial awakening from uh, REM sleep. So they often involve sleepwalking, which is a, um, that's typically is what is used to differentiate between nightmares and bad dreams is the presence of sleepwalking. And that happened in the movie too. One of the characters, he would sleep walk the guy who was like really yes. into puppeting the guy who like puppets yes. and then he got like yes. that part kind of that was the only part that kind of like grossed me out do you remember that yeah i remember like, it yeah he used his like veins as like i don't want to remember it but I that do. scene was kind of gnarly but it was like that was the only like i've spent well, the last like eight years scene, i've spent the last eight years just suppressing nightmare in elm street three out of my yes. brain because wh why would i fill my brain with that useless bad movie stuff like that's i like bad movies but that's a bad movie <laughs> it's like why did why was this green lighted honestly no who knows it was it was uh it was something um but yeah so Prozosin is a possibility. However, the way that they talk about hypnosil in the movie, they talk about it, they mention it as a psychoactive sedative. Prozosin's not psychoactive necessarily, um, or is it a sedative? It's it's a it's like it's really it's a blood pressure agent that happens to have this additional 
side effect of reducing night terrors and nightmares. When you talk about a psychoactive sedative, you're referring more to things like uh, Xanax or particularly a class of medications called Z drugs like Ambien. I'm sure that you've heard of Ambien. Ambien is, is, is famous for making people do weird things when they sleep. People will talk about taking Ambien and then like buying stuff on Amazon or like messaging their family like weird stuff or, or doing other like crazy things. Like some people report having like driven on Ambien and not knowing like where they're going or like. That's what Tiger Woods was taking. I think he was on Ambien when he was uh, found asleep at the wheel. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. So it, it's, it does the opposite of reduce night terrors. It makes you even more so disruptive to your sleep. It can cause you to sleepwalk. Even in people who are not prone to sleepwalk, it can make you sleepwalk, which is terrifying. I don't want to like... I, I've slept walked maybe like three or four times in my life. And that's always been like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to wake up somewhere else or do something like taking a medication that could cause you to sleepwalk is, is terrifying, especially if, you know, Freddy Krueger is going to come and get you. But Ambien uh, acts on GABA receptors in the brain. So similarly to Xanax, they act on like the same receptor. They just act a little bit differently. They make it more receptive, they make the receptor more easily activated by your body's own GABA, which uh, GABA. So when you talk about like the the green light and the red light of the brain, it's it's GABA and glutamate. GABA is the red light, glutamate's the green light. So you got more GABA, you're going to be drowsy, you're going to be inhibited. If you got more glutamate, you're going to be uh, agitated up, yeah. more, more active. It's mm -hmm. an excitatory neurotransmitter. So too much of either one is a bad thing. And not enough of either one is also potentially a bad thing. A lot of implications and seizures as well. My, I think I've told you about this, but my wife took Ambien when she was in the hospital and she hallucinated. So another characteristic of Ambien is the production of hallucinations. It can cause you to hallucinate. They're known as hypnotic drugs. So when she took Ambien, she was tripping, man. She was talking about, she said that she was seeing little people on the on the chairs on like the side of the wall and they were building an attic and That's she was terrified crazy. she was terrified of them she was like shane they're building an attic one of them looked at me and it's still i had to like go take everything off of the chairs because that was where we had like our bags of stuff right and then she said that she was seeing dobby's death scene from harry potter seeing harry potter you have not seen harry potter jill harry potter yeah i've seen them everybody's seen harry potter normal people watch harry potter calvin I only watch bad movies. That's right. Yeah, I'll say he only watches the bad ones. Of course, he didn't see it. <laughs> well, she was tripping on some Ambien, and she said that she was seeing Dobby's death scene play out in the corner of the room. That's insane. It was wild. So yeah, so no more Ambien for, yeah. for anyone, any one of us. Have you had any any first or secondhand experiences, either of y'all? I've never taken Ambien, but that's crazy you talk about that because I remember I have a vivid memory of when I was younger, when I was like having a really vivid dream. And then I woke up and my, my parents heard me screaming. So they came to my door and I was still like really scared because I saw on the ground, little like characters, like running like out oh, the geez. door. And I was like, I was like, dad, they're right there. Like, stop. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm just standing <laughs> here. And that's why like, that's crazy. She felt that from a drug because I don't know why my dreams were so vivid at that age. I think I was like seven. Huh. Like it was, I still think about it because it was so scary at the time. Man, was Freddy Krueger ever a part of them? Thankfully, no. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I like, I don't know why. It's interesting to me why the brain does that when you sleep and like mm -hmm. why certain dreams are much more vivid than others. 
Yeah. Dreaming. Um, so I've gone on record and I've said this before. I hate sleeping and I hate dreaming. I think it's a waste of time. I don't want to sleep and I don't want to think about sleep when I'm awake. I wish if, if that, if I could snap my fingers and if if I could have a superpower, was it this episode where I talked about this before? How much I, I I think it might like our, like our last collab I talked about. I don't like, I don't like sleep. It's a waste of time. It's so stupid. It's still a hot take from you because people love sleeping. I don't get it. Why do you love that? You could be doing things. Yeah, but most people don't like doing things. Yeah. It's nice sleeping. I mean, to be fair, I'm not one of those people that dreams very often. I only dream when I'm like absolutely exhausted. Interesting. Yeah. And then I'll just like that. And then I'll just dream. But like, honestly, I feel more refreshed after I dream, even though I wake up more in the middle of my sleep, which Mm. I've always found interesting. But like... 85% of the time, I'm not dreaming anything when I sleep. I just go straight into deep sleep. I'm not REMing. And then I wake up and I'm exhausted (laughs) still. (laughs) (laughs) But it's crazy because even they say that even if you don't remember your dream, you still were dreaming. Like, how does that happen? Like, it's it's so amazing. Dreams are stupid. Like, nobody (laughs) knows why we dream or like what we dream about. People try to interpret dreams. They're wrong. I saw dreams don't mean anything. I saw a sleep study that was like super interesting because they wanted to test to see if listening to REM while you sleep increases (laughs) REM sleep. And it did. Music in general did. Okay, so not just it's not just REM, but why am I not surprised? Why am I not surprised by that? So I guess I need to just start listening to losing my religion while sleeping. REM gives me nightmares when I'm awake, so R.E.M. had like one good song, that end of the world song. I liked that when I was 10. Shiny Happy People I like. I'll listen to that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. So let's, yeah, let's, um, I want to make it clear that I get sleep every night. I get seven and a half hours of sleep. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, like clockwork. There are clocks involved. I just don't want to do it. If I had a choice, I wouldn't. It's a waste of time. So to summarize everything with this movie, what grade would you give it? Oh yeah, I forgot to grade this one. Um, so since like the drug played a really a really non role, um, and it was also wrong, I'm gonna give this one a D. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be going like pretty close to F on this one. I'm gonna be and honest. F for the puppet stuff, yeah. like that. I <laughs> all F. <laughs> F for fake. It wasn't real. <laughs> it wasn't even like close to Prazosin either. I was no. Yeah. Totally. I mean it would have it would have done the opposite. It would have worsened night terrors and and sleepwalking. So I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna give it an F plus because it literally would have done there's not even like physiological closeness to the the, the intention here. Wow. That's my is that first. Your, is that your first F plus? This is my first F. Oh, we've we've given some F plus. I, I'm usually a lot more generous. You give Fs. I give willy Fs. nilly. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of more of an A or an F type of guy. Yeah. Except mm. for with Limitless, that was the only one that I think I gave like a moderate like C plus or something. Yeah, because like you had to go through like an algorithm to get that grade. Yeah, that took a lot. I think that's a fair grade. All right. So let's come up with a better transition to our next topic. So whenever you're dreaming, I have actually once had a dream about being a witcher. Ironically, it was right after watching The Witcher, which Mm. I guess isn't very ironic. But yeah, I was killed by a monster. But, you know, (laughs) that's that's the only uh, dream about The Witcher that I remember. But that is what we're going to talk about next. So yeah, how ironic. Yeah. Was he wearing like a sweater and a hat? I actually had the long flowing Geralt of Rivia hair. Oh, oh yeah. no, the, the monster. Yeah. I, Burned I, face. 
for some reason my face just reminded me like I had like I was Fabio or something like that. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what my my brain's thinking, but all right, let's yeah. jump into the the Witcher, the drugs of the Witcher. Like I said before, I've never seen this show, but I did some research and it sounds extremely interesting. So the Witcher fans out there, I'm sorry if I don't summarize it good enough for you guys, because I'm re I really tried here to look this up. So basically, Gerald, he's a monster hunter. And Gerald, hard G. We're going to get some complaints Gerald, about that. See? Gerald, I apologize, everyone. No, I really was good. trying to practice. <laughs> he's, he is a monster hunter, and he's trying to protect the world, but also he deals with other monsters and other characters in the show. But we see him consuming a lot of potions, mm -hmm. and these potions help him with have increased reflexes and reaction time so he can help fight these monsters. And I know that the one potion specifically, it makes his eyes turn black. Oh, and yeah. then that way it really helps him see in total darkness. And I know that these potions don't last that long, but they do a lot of damage when he takes them. So I'm sorry again if I missed anything and mispronounced things. I really tried and I do want to watch this right after we are done here. <laughs> Oh, it's, no, it's it's really it's a really good show. So and, good, and lots of people mispronounce Geralt. Even people who have seen it. One of one of Kelly's friends who has seen it still calls him Geralt. <laughs> like, and it really, it's funny. Yeah, but we, my Sophia and I at home, notoriously call him Gare Bear or Jer Bear, depending yeah. on. See, I like that. It's <laughs> cute. Gare Bear. <laughs> It's funny. Gare like, Bear the monster hunter. <laughs> like a, a week ago when I had no voice, I could do like a really good impression of, yeah. of Gerald. Because he's got like that really low, like, uh, Siri, really yeah. low. Like, Yennefer. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's pretty that good, really right? Good, yeah, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still in that range. Yeah. You yeah. need to do acting. I don't know. Or yeah. Like voice acting. I'll do, um, yeah, I'll do the next uh, Gerald game. <laughs> Gerald. You know, you have the body type. I'll be Gerald's to... twin Gerald. <laughs> It's me, Gerald. <laughs> I can just see you both just grunting back at each other back and forth like he does. <sighs> so anyways, so Jill, you did a pretty great job um, summarizing. You talked a lot about the main things that I want to talk about. Thank you. I'm so honored. I really <clears throat> was scared that these Witcher fans were going to come at me after this. Oh, they're brutal. Yeah, they are. They are tough, particularly the video game people, I'd say. Oh, over, yeah. Over TV people. That's a different but, crowd. I'll, I'll summarize your summary for you. The story is adapted from a three-part video game. Shane mentioned it. There's also a book series involved with it, all of the same name. And it follows the legendary Geralt of Rivia. And he's one of the finest warriors called Witchers that you mentioned. And he's also one of the last warriors because the Witchers are are dying in the TV show and uh, in the video games, too. They're, they're like a dying breed of species. Mm. There's only a few left. And uh, Witchers, despite not enjoying the toils of royals and meddling with human affairs, it, um, they've often been gained in the lore. They, they offer an edge in the in the event of a, a war or a battle or something like that because of their sword wielding ability and all of their badass characteristics that they that they do. More specifically, I wanted to talk about this specific potion that Jill mentioned that Geralt is well, well of as well as many of the other witchers in the show, have been shown to consume prior to fighting a monster or anything like that. 
So potions within the Witcher video games themselves play a pretty integral role in how users can fight enemies. Like many other games, the Witcher trilogy contains many scenarios involving the use of things like speed potions, resistance to bleeding, endurance serums, many other kinds of concoctions that we just don't really have time to go into today. So the TV show kind of basically just put all of those potions from the video game and, and merged it into one big potion. And it's this coal black potion that only can be drunk by witchers because it would be fatal to consume for regular humans. And they're, they adjust for it by you know, drinking it as at a young age, like all the witchers in training are children and they, um, yeah, they basically drink it early enough and they get like a tolerance to it almost. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about all of that stuff. So what exactly does this magical potion do? Well, according to the Witcher series, the potion is a mixture of materials that give the Witcher quote, full control over his body. Essentially, this potion is used to enhance all of a witcher's senses and give them an unfair advantage over their enemies. In addition to this, potion has an eerie effect on a witcher's external features that could strike fear into anyone who uh, who may view them. Jill mentioned it, the black eyes. Um, facial features will uh, immediately begin to change as soon as they drink it. The blood vessels that supply their brain become like heavily pronounced on their face. Their face itself and skin tone becomes like almost a chalk white color. There was this one scene where he's like about to get into a fight and like he's there with Siri and there's like this weird, it was like a spider caterpillar monster. Yeah. And then like he turns, like he takes his potion and then Siri's like, Geralt, what do we do? And then he turns to Siri and he looks like he has like a Snapchat filter on. Yeah. Because like the, it, I don't know, it just did not look good. And then he's like, run. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he goes and he fights the thing. And another may leave this place. Ride for your life. What's happening? There's a brooks here in the house. Who what? What are you doing? What's going on, Geralt? Move. Now. And he, it almost has like Super Saiyan qualities about it mm. too, because every time he does it, he's just like getting angry and pissed yeah. off. Like, you better run. You yeah. know, the run thing that he says to Siri. But yeah, so blood vessels become black, eyes become black, skin becomes like a pale chalk white. And, um, as many people who work in pharmacy who might have watched The Witcher, uh, you may be asking yourself what exactly these potions have in them and how realistic could it be? Do we have things in real life that may simulate these same sort of enhancements? Well, luckily for us, the creators of The Witcher did a pretty great deal of research to make these potions as realistic as possible, even going so far as to tell us many of the ingredients that are within them. According to the lore of The Witcher series, the potions contain high levels of four things, veratrum or veratrum, stramonium, which we've talked about up before hawthorn and spurge amongst many other ingredients that do not have a name within the english language that's how they they say it but let's break down the big four ingredients i've mentioned and we'll go ahead and grade them based on realism so the first ingredient they listed known as veratrum or veratrum i'm going to say veratrum because it sounds cooler and it sounds more witchery veratrum veratrum is a flowering plant that grows in damp areas of europe asia and north america now veratrum itself is a flower that can grow in many different colors Colors, mostly purple and white. However, Veratrum's potency comes deep within the soil, as these species of plants grow extremely poisonous black rhizomes. Hmm. Now, these rhizomes are things that kind of resemble roots, and if one was to ingest as little as 600 milligrams of the root, the person would be extremely likely not to survive. The exact discoverers of this poison is not known, but both Native American and East Asian communities have both used it for differing reasons. Native Americans were known to utilize these roots to poison the tip of their arrows. They did, however, find that the plant could be used medicinally. 
Native surprisingly had a really good understanding of these plants and even knew to combine minute amounts of veratrum with purple sage in order to potentiate its activity and actually lower the overall toxicity of the concoction. So they, they weren't really even aware necessarily that maybe the liver can do that and whatnot, but they had a pretty good understanding that if you take both of these in combination, it'll lower the overall toxicity of, of the one. That is pretty Oops. solid. Like you think that they came up, up with that like through trial and error? <laughs> Probably. I'm sure plenty of people. Hmm. How do you know to poison your arrows with a root unless someone's eaten that root and they've died, you know? (laughs) So true. So more interesting, though, I wanted to talk about purple sage, even though it wasn't one of the things that they mentioned in the potion. Purple sage is like those little purple, um, you know, purple sage brushes that you might see, you know, uh, in desert areas and desert communities. Mm -hmm. And and really, it's pretty prevalent throughout especially the the northern Americas and whatnot. But purple sage contains a compound known as salvadorol, which is a naturally occurring compound that is created via the HMG-CoA reductase pathway, which makes it very useful in the treatment of high cholesterol and potentially high blood pressure. Interesting. And it's called salvadorol? Salvadorol, yeah. That's like the loose name of it. There's like the chemical name has changed a couple times, sure. but it's kind of colloquially known as salvadorol because it comes, the, the genus of a purple sage is like uh, salvador or something like that. So it comes from the plant. Okay. So is it like native to El Salvador or is it like named after Salvador Dali? I don't think it has like... anything to do with El Salvador, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I don't know for sure. Because I feel like if it is, does it have like psychoactive properties or are you going to get into that? I might get into that. Why don't we hold that question? Okay, cool. It actually doesn't. It does not have oh. psychoactive properties. I was going to say, if it like makes you trip, if it's like shrooms, <laughs> then it'd be cool if it was named after Salvador Dali because that was kind of like his art style. That would be That's, cool. Yeah, so, that would be cool. So if I ever make like a psychotropic <laughs> drug, I'm going to name it after Salvador Dali. So for the non-pharmacists and pharmacy students out there, the HMG-CoA reductase pathway not only is a mouthful to say, but it also is a direct target in the pathway of statin medications. So if you've ever heard of Lipitor, uh, Crestor, Atorvastatin, Resuvastatin, those sort of drugs, that's what is being acted upon with those drugs. So naturally, if a plant has something within that pathway that could potentially reduce that path, that right there, HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they reduce that pathway, it'll lower your overall blood cholesterol. Um, so they are they are inhibitors. Like yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's it is interesting. So Geralt's got great cholesterol, and it would probably yeah. it would probably yeah, no kidding. It would probably act a little bit more like a torvastatin or mm-hmm. maybe Crestor. But it, the reason that it would ha- it wouldn't be like pravastatin, which for those who don't know, doesn't act on the liver at all. Right. It, um, like would, a teeny, teeny, yeah, tiny little bit. Mostly, it acts uh, different than the rest of them, basically. Um, it would probably be more like that because the salvadorol acts directly on 3A4. Mm-hmm. So it would probably act similar to a torvastatin. If they're both acting on the same type of liver enzyme, then it's going to potentiate its activity and potentially lower the overall toxicity because less is going into circulation. Okay. So that's why they used it in combination. They didn't know any of that, but they kind of got lucky. <laughs> I was thinking they wouldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, so Native Americans weren't the only ones that were aware of this salvadorol. Eastern Asian communities recognized this as well. However, both cultures were pretty well aware of the dangers of these species. Natives actually told pilgrims and they told future white colonies that came in not to take this when you were pregnant. What? Mm-hmm. Oh. Because it would kill the baby. It's teratogenic. Oh my gosh. 
Did they say it's teratogenic? I don't think they said it's teratogenic. <laughs> this is a highly teratogenic agent. <laughs> they did know that it was teratogenic. Eastern Asian communities kind of specified a little bit more. They mentioned it has a very narrow therapeutic index. And so because of that, they didn't use it for lowering cholesterol or lowering blood pressure because at that time they actually had other things that they thought would do better for it. Mm-hmm. They mainly only used it as an emetic in the event of a last resort situation. So they would intentionally toxicify you so you would throw it back out. Toxicify. Is that a word? Yeah. I hope it is. I toxicify. I, guess I like it. Poison. <laughs> if you wanted to you know, make a verb out of it. I guess. It poison you. So it was most recently studied in the 1930s. Baratrum was being studied for its benefits in hyperlipidemia and high blood pressure. But due to a high side effect profile from, probably guessed it, nausea and vomiting, mm-hmm. um, it fell pretty quickly out of favor. In terms of the television show, Geralt mentioned that the humans cannot drink the potion due to the toxicity, but he is able to drink this potion largely due to the fact that he has been exposed to it since he was a child. But the concept of its effectiveness on the HMG-CoA pathway, resulting in decreased blood pressure and cholesterol, makes the idea of this medicine enhancing senses and calming the witcher seem fairly probable. So I'll give the writers an A, at least. Um... In, for their efforts in their research on Veratrum. I think yeah, that was, that's really impressive that they did that research and that it's actually accurate. So I agree. I'd argue that that's not even the most accurate one. And we're going to talk about that one next. Oh, okay. then continue. Yeah. I'm going to reserve grading until the end. Okay. I'm gonna, maybe I'll take notes though. So this one, shout out to Ivan from our podcast. We have talked about at least twice. Detura stramonium. Now, I won't spend a super long time talking about it like I did with Veratrum because we have talked about it so many times. But Detura Stramonium is a flowering plant with a prickly little seed that comes from the nightshade family. It's been used for centuries as an anticholinergic medicine, or in other words, a medicine that inhibits the rest and digest part of your brain and nerves. So it's going to activate the fight or flight response. It has also been used as a hallucinogenic in certain cultures of the world. However, its long-lasting effects of delirium can last weeks and have been described as extremely unpleasant and would probably never catch on as a plant that could be abused very frequently. Now, the compounds within Deterostromonium are some that uh, Shane certainly has probably heard of, but maybe Jill, you've even heard of some of these. Atropine, hyacyamine, and scopolamine. Okay. Now, atropine, we've already talked about on the podcast, but it's often used in critical care scenarios to increase blood pressure in critically ill patients. And it's also used in eye doctor's offices to dilate your pupils, atropine eye drops. That's how I know. So we're talking. That's right. Well, that it's a pretty darn good explanation into Geralt of Rivia's dilating eyes. Okay. That's my theory. Interesting. Hyacyamine is another anticholinergic that has been used for tremors and as well as bowel conditions like ABS. So you can think about tremors. If you're steadying yourself, it would be pretty useful in battle if you weren't shaking like this, you know, in the middle of a battle. So it's going to enhance your fighting abilities. And finally, scopolamine is something that you often get in a patch and it's popular for people who may suffer motion sickness or cancer-induced nausea. Stramonium can also be thanked for our current understanding of asthma as 19th century doctors would actually require patients to smoke the substance in order to reduce asthma exacerbation. Crazy, yeah. Wait, which one was this? This is the stramonium 
stromonium plant. This is stromonium? That is crazy. So yeah, so asthma exacerbation. So they didn't necessarily know why it did what it did, but it did show to help lung problems. And it wasn't until much later that we realized that the anti-muscarinic activity of stromonium was something that we could synthesize into compounds like teotropium and ipratropium to give a much longer lasting relief for asthma patients. Mm. And they're still obviously heavily used to this day in combination inhalers. So in regards to the show, stromonium basically fills in many of the missing pieces as to why a witch's appearance changes the way it does. The extreme widening of the pupils, the improvement of reflexes, and the ability to slow the heart rate to an extreme level, all of which can be explained by the presence of stromonium in the potion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one an A+. Plus. Okay. That was, it, it basically encompasses everything that we were missing. We got the enhancements, but now we got pupil dilation and, and everything I just said. So that's a pretty darn good research job by the Witcher team, if I do yeah, say so. Yeah, shout out to that team because that's really awesome that they were able to get all that. And I think with all the descriptions you said, it really kind of makes it seem like all the Witchers who take it become like the perfect fighter. Like all their different body parts and everything and like inside become so regulated that they're like the perfect person to fight off all the monsters. That's no, just from sh- what, from being a non-watcher, that's what it sounds like. Right. Now, Shane over here was kind of like shaking his head, and I'm so, curious about that. I'm skeptical. Um, so uh, let's start with the Veratrum. Are there, are there more agents that we're going to talk There's about? There's two more, later? but we can go ahead. Yeah, let's take, a, let's take a grading break. So the Veratrum, I gave a C because I feel like HMD-CoA is not going to have any effect on his focus or anything. Like, sure, it's great that he has great cholesterol, <laughs> and now he can, like, eat whatever he wants. He doesn't have to eat Cheerios anymore. But, like, that's it. That's, like, it's not going to have any ad- additional benefit on, like, his focus or anything. I, I kind of disagree. High blood pressure situations. How's it going to affect his blood pressure? That's what it does. I, I don't know. It just acts on blood pressure and it acts on HMG. It just Cohen. does. <laughs> Man, it, it just, just does. does. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I need to do... That's what they researched it for, was for high blood pressure. East Asian communities thought that it would lower blood pressure, and it did... It's kind of like the okay. Jackson in a sense. Well, then it's got to have like some additional activity other than HMG-CoA. Yeah, it probably okay. does. Yeah. I'll give it a C plus then. Fine. Fine. Stromonium, B plus. You're not I'm feeling? not giving it an A. I mean, it's good. Like, it's not an, like just having his pupils dilate, his eye, like that would give him potentially better night vision. But like his eyes turn totally black. Right. Like, what's going to cause that? Like, we're halfway there, but it's like, you know, it's not an A. If they were like, yeah, here's this agent, it turns the entire cornea black, I'd be like, that's an A+. Think about Veratrum, though, for a second. It comes from a black root, which could explain mm. the black potion itself. So in general, in terms of the, even the color, not only does it look kind of badass, but it might also explain the overall color of the potion itself. Okay, hang on. Here, here's another thing. So when the liver can't process stuff like bilirubin, Bilirubin. It yeah. turns your eyes yellow. That's another Maybe thing. if it inhibits that pathway and it builds up in the eyes, then it turns the eyes black. That's true. And witcher's blood in general is black. Oh, it's see, now red. you lost me again. Uh, no, you lost me again. You can't. What's the what's the agent? What's going on? What's causing the blood to be black? They inject witcher blood. You remember this scene? Probably. Yeah. They inject witcher blood directly into people that want to become a witcher. And like a third of the That's people right. are the only ones that survive it. And I guess something. I don't know. We're I guess getting, that just we're courses deep through into the lore. Okay. All right. So you know what? I'll Maybe I'll average these out to a, a B. 
minus. I'm convincing Shane over Tough here. Tough crowd. I know. He's the one who's being skeptical today. I'm just let's like see, I said. Let's see where this grading goes with these I, next two agents. I'm an A or an F. You might find these next two are a little bit lower. I took off a few points for these for certain reasons. Okay. But, so the next one we have, have is Hawthorne. Now, Hawthorne is something that probably everyone has seen at some point, whether or not they realized it. If you ever went on a hike and seen these little red berries that are on bushes, you know, the little very circular red yeah. berries, that's Hawthorne. That's a Hawthorne okay. berry. Um, Hawthorne in general is a berry producing plant that grows essentially all over the world. The berries, when ripe, are eaten by many different cultures and have shown benefit in treating congestive heart failure, mm. as well as high blood pressure and even anxiety. Okay. Now, the benefits are believed to lie within uh, a, a chemical compound called inotropes. Mm. Inotropes, in summary, are chemicals that work to in increase the contractility of blood vessels, strengthening them over time. I'll keep this one brief. I'm going to go ahead and grade it. I'll give it an A minus. I think in terms of realism, contractility of the blood vessels would certainly help enhance certain stimuli in a witcher, yeah. but it's not something that's going to give you the immediate effect like you see in the show. Take, eating a bunch of hawthorn berries isn't going to just going to overall increase your ability to fight someone. It's something that you would have to take over time. So I'll give this one an A minus, but I do think in terms of the mechanism, they got it right. In terms of the overall applicability, probably not so much. Okay. I can agree with that. I can agree with an A minus for that one. So the last one we have is Spurge. I don't like the name of this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a reason I'm calling it Spurge. The actual plant is called a Euphorbia. Whoa. Uh, yeah. These plants... Wow. Um, euphorbia is a really big class of plants. Things like poinsettias are euphorbias. Oh. Yeah. First I was like, man, I want to smoke that. Now I'm like, mm, <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, yeah. you, you might want to smoke it after I tell you a little bit. Not poinsettias. That'll kill me. <laughs> you might. Those are poisonous. Yeah, they, they kill are. pets. They kill, you know, don't, don't let do your dogs eat poinsettias or, yeah. or cats or toddlers. Yeah. But, I mean, these plants are ever present across the globe as well and have actually been studied a lot throughout history for medicinal benefits. Now they are poisonous to cats and dogs, but they're, the reason I'm calling it Spurge is Spurge is actually the name of, of a big genus of plants, but Spurge is actually a brand name of a drug in India that acts in a similar pathway and comes from Spurge related plants. Hmm. It's got two different main compounds in it, tritaverine and, and methanamic acid. It's a combo medicine. It's been used in the past to treat abdominal cramps with tritaverine being an antispasmodic and methanamic acid being an NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Interesting. Okay. Incredibly, euphorbia plants have also shown great benefit in treating asthma as well when taken orally, which is something that you don't normally see. Hmm. Other than like singular, it's kind of hard to find oral treatments for asthma. Right. And singular is like questionable anyway. Yeah, it is. And while studies haven't been fully done to potentially create a medication from these plants, euphorbia has been called the asthma plant in many cultures and is utilized in both Eastern and Western herbal medicine. Hmm. Overall, kind of the same thing. I'm going to give it an A minus, again, knocking off points for lack of immediate effect that I've seen within the show. Mm -hmm. But overall, it works kind of similarly to the other asthma medication that we talked about in Stramonium. So I'm going to give it an A minus. I think that's a pretty general one. It's not really something you can pinpoint because Spurge has like over 2,100 different types of plants. <laughs> so kind of hard to, to, to narrow down exactly what you're getting when you just say Spurge, but I'll give them an A minus for it. Okay. I I think, let's, what do your grades average out to? My grades average out to an A. Okay. Overall in realism. I think it's, I average out to like a B. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty that's good. That's still pretty good compared to the other yeah. ones we just talked about. Yeah. So. 
In, I mean, in summary, the Witcher TV series is incredible. Shane would agree with yeah, me. It's, really it's good. a great show. It's one of my new favorite TV series. And it has been one of my favorite video game series, at least from mm-hmm. the ones that I've played. And it now holds an even more special place in my heart because mm-hmm. of the realism. Mm-hmm. It, it is pretty accurate to reflect real life medications with those potions. Yeah. I'd say it receives an A from me. And uh, I'm going to give it the extremely coveted Let's Farm and I stamp of approval Whoa. on that one. Wow. I'm going to go that far. Well, we've given that to very few yeah. pieces that of pop culture. Legit. In the past. Yeah. yeah. It means absolutely nothing, but to us, it means everything. So that's true. Yeah. It's kind of like the Oscars, but for a pharmacy related pop culture podcast. <laughs> We've only given it a couple times, yeah. but I feel like this is one where we have to give it. We should catalog and like figure out which ones have received it actually. Yeah. We've given it to maybe two or three other drugs. Yeah. It's like Fake I'm a part drug. of history right now. This yeah. Is awesome. yeah. Yeah. This is a, this, this is, is a this big is... moment. <laughs> we should call, um, what's his, what's his name who plays Carol? Oh, what's his um, name? Oh, God. No. I, I, I just looked it up the other, like Superman. last night. I forget. Henry? Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, right? Cavill yeah. Henry Cavill, I was going to yeah. say Harry, but... He played Superman. Harry Cavill. Yes. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> he plays Gerald. Harry and Jerry. <laughs> Gare Bear. Gear Bear. All right. So we had a solid, solid show of, of pop culture today. This was um, a lot longer than we anticipated. It always seems to be. It always, we're going to be like, oh, this is going to take 30 minutes. We'll do this really yeah. quick. Hour and a half passes and here we are. We even cut it. We were thinking about doing four things and we cut it down to three to try to save time. And we still talk for an hour and a I half. I think even longer than we did before, which is crazy. So I think uh, I really liked Witcher. I'm tempted to like read them now or even like play the games. Mm-hmm. The game Games um, looks really hard, though. In terms of the potions, you know, they really simplified it with TV series. But in, yeah. in The Witcher, there's like 40 different potions. Oh, wow. Take. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Flatliners was better than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be like a dumb movie. It's still and 90s. It was it's like... Still very, it's the perfect 90s movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm like a sucker for that 90s aesthetic, though. Yeah. Like, it kind of reminded me of like the Boondock Saints. Because like mm-hmm. it opened with this, uh, this like cathedral choir, and then it was like kind of like grungy rock music. Right. And I was Have like, you actually oh. seen that one, or do you just know that? Scene? The Boondock Saints. Yeah. I've seen that like a okay. dozen times. <laughs> I do like that movie. That's actually the only movie I've seen. <laughs> I knew it. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the Boondock Saints over and over and over again. <laughs> I think you're hating on your favorite movie of all time, Train Spotting. Right. Train Spotting. I have seen Train Spotting. Yeah, I saw that a long time ago. Oh, it's not your favorite movie. No, it's good though. What What is your favorite movie? Um, out of the one that you've watched, probably Boondock Saints. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't know what my favorite movie is. Probably nothing that we've talked about. Nothing yeah. with medicine. We need to do the Pulp Fiction scene at some point. It's so unrealistic. Yeah, it is. It's so. Oh, that's another thing they do in the movie. They do a. They do a, in in Flatliners. They do a um a intracardial epinephrine. Which is pointless. That doesn't yeah. do anything. They I also just do, explained why it didn't do it. They also do intratracheal. They do an intratracheal. There's a lot of things in that movie, though. Now hearing all of this, I'm like, why? Why are you just? It's like someone heard all the different things in medicine. Like, let's throw it all together. Like, yeah. this sounds good. I mean, that's what they do. That's what tends to be the case for like all those like medical shows too. Yeah. They're just like throwing jargon around. If I just shouted out, "No, it'll fry them in the yeah. middle of like a code," I don't think they'd let me back into the code. This was also so I've been cataloging like the worst cases of CPR that I've seen of chest compressions, and Flatliners ranks at the top of the oh, wow. worst chest compressions I've ever yeah. seen. That's what Kevin, you know. Kevin Bacon, you need to get CPR certified if you're not by now because that was abysmal. <laughs> he does it at like a 
like an 80 degree angle like there's you're supposed to you know put like your whole body weight into it because you've got to do it really hard if they yeah they say if you're not hearing the sound of cracking ribs you're not doing it right i mean that's a bit extreme yeah you know (laughs) but he was doing it at like this angle and he was doing it really softly and he was doing it every full second he was counting like one one thousand two one thousand Three one thousand. That's half of the speed you need to be doing. Like this man is dying. Like what yeah. are you doing? You just killed Kiefer Sutherland, dude. Now we've seen like, some pretty bad CPRs given on mannequins in yeah. our time in pharmacy school, but I feel like we that's were another better than, podcast. Like, yeah. yeah, we could have done. We could have done another podcast too about the um, the state of the de- the terrible de escalation in the Nightmare on Elm Street in the psychiatric hospital. Like if like a patient was getting rowdy, they were just immediately like tackling them and trying they're to like you're them. done they were like all right get him out of here <laughs> like and they're like drawing up syringes i'm like okay that's bad all he did was like stand up out of his chair angrily and they're just like immediately like they're grabbing like, for the, the it's like you stand up and you're like hi like nope you're done like go to the room by yourself it's like why put him in the put him in the choir yeah so yeah that was um that was pretty bad all right this was a lot of fun i really i love talking about pop culture drugs this was awesome, guys. I'm so happy we got to do this again and that you kind of came out of your little break for this. Yeah, we should yeah. do another one. Uh, maybe sometime when we have a break on rotation. Yeah. Or, or even like if we're on a slow rotation, we should do we should do another one before we before we wrap up. Because yeah. this is our this is our we're coming up on our finishing our third year of school. Wow. So starting in May, we're going to be on rotation. And then after a year, we'll be either graduated or dead. Crazy. Life yeah. takes you crazy places. You're it really does. Yeah. I might be flatlining at the end of my flatlining. Yeah. Before we even make Flatliners three or two. Well you can just you can just film it actually happening. Yeah. That would be a good start to Flatliners three. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to keep up with our episodes and content. Special thanks to Kelly Kerr for making the music in our intro and outro. Additional music from Pixabay and Fesley Ann Studios.